Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp. And welcome into another episode of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. I'm Brian Tripp, your host. A busy week this week for Penn State sports, including one of the highlights of the sports calendar. It's the annual Pink Zone game for the Penn State Lady Lions, taking on Michigan at 6 p.m. on Saturday at the Bryce Jordan Center. My guest this week, Jen James, Associate AD for events and a Pink Zone board and a Pink Zone founding member. She was actually part of the Penn State Lady Lion basketball program as a student manager during her time As a student at Penn State, she's been involved with the athletic department for a long time. She's truly one of the great Penn Staters. She's going to discuss how Penn State set the precedent for this great event, including wearing pink for the first time in 2007 against Wisconsin. And then we'll talk about then we'll talk about all of the hard work that goes on behind the scenes and what fans, alums, everyone coming out to the BJC on Saturday can expect with the game, how you can contribute. In fact, remarkable, greater than $3.2 million raised by Penn State's Pink Zone for partner organizations since its inception. So you're really going to love to hear from Jen James this week on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Jen, thanks so much for taking the time to chat about a cause and an event that I know you're so passionate about. Thank you very much, Trip. Yes, absolutely. I have been a part of Pink Zone from the beginning, and this truly is something very special to my heart. All right, let's talk about your story first, then we'll get into being a part of Pink Zone from the very beginning. You were, and now you're working in a great role here with our athletic department as the Associate AD for events. I think you've done about everything and worked with every event, every team on campus that you possibly could during your time here. But you started when you were a student by joining the Lady Lion basketball program as a student manager. Can you give some of your background? Yes, I did. Actually, it was, I really wanted to get involved and obviously wasn't going to be at the athlete level. So I saw an advertisement for men's volleyball manager and mm. women's basketball manager. Mm. I played volleyball in high school, loved volleyball, went to both meetings. Volleyball was like, yeah, if you can show up at this time when we practice, great. If not, no big deal. Women's basketball uh, was with Annie Troyan. It was her first time back, and she was hiring the new group of managers. So I had to fill out a resume, a turn in a resume, fill out an application, come back for two interviews. And the third time they called me back into Rec Hall before Bryce Jordan Center, Third time they call me back into Rec Hall, um, they told me I got the job. And then I'm walking out of Rec Hall, and we had one of those composite schedules with all the winter sports. Yep. And I open it up, and it says women's basketball at Hawaii. So my first trip was to Hawaii, <laughs> all expenses paid. I'd never been on a plane before. <laughs> well, that had to be an eye-opening experience then for the first time. Loved it. Loved it from the first practice. Don't want to date anyone, but give us the years, you know, when when you were a student and what you've been involved with at Penn State. Yep. So that goes all the way back to fall of 1987. Wow. Yep. Susie McConnell, mm-hmm. a serio now. Um, she was a senior my freshman year, and she was a, a point guard and still holds the NCAA assist yep. record. And But her senior year, she was tapped to score. So that very first game in Hawaii, she scored 34 points, mm-hmm. seven three-pointers. And it was just an incredible, incredible season. Uh, a lot of great memories, I'm sure, through the years of accomplishments on the court with the program, going to the Final Four in Philadelphia and yes. everything that that program has accomplished. Oh, yes, absolutely. And so we had Susie and Bethany Collins were, yep. were our two seniors that first year. And then the following year, we had some pretty special people that were that were freshmen. Susan Robinson-Fructel, mm-hmm. Kathy Phillips-Drysdale, Dana Eichenberg, Lynn Doherty. 
that core group was the group that got us to number one in the country. So many names there that are still, or at least have been recently a part of the Penn State family for so long. It's just that connection. There's a special connection and a bond between the athletic programs, the community, and something special within the department here at Penn State. And I think that kind of resonates as we transition and talk about Pink Zone as well. Absolutely. No, for sure. And, you know, we owe a lot of that to Rini, you yep. know, even even myself as well. You know, I want to say that, you know, I grew up under her and a lot of the stuff that she ingrained in mm-hmm. us about being great teammates, about being out there in the community, community, whether it was the Penn State on campus or the town. You know, she was very, very supportive of all of that. Well, it's easy for me to sit here and read the bio of Pink Zone, when it started, how it started. But I think for you to share how this whole thing came together and has grown over the years into where the Bryce Jordan Center at times has been sold out. And there's been tens of buses, up to 100 buses coming here with survivors and thousands of survivors in attendance Take me back to the beginning of Pink Zone. Absolutely, because it's really a special Mm -hmm. story. So um, we owe it to the Big Ten Conference. They actually had what they called a super fan contest where all you had to do was write in, come up with an idea, write in what you were going to do with $5,000 they were going to give you as a kind of a nest egg. So we met with Rini. We also had Lauren Crispel, a name from the past. Uh, Lauren was our marketing director at the time. And, you know, Rini said, you know, I Mm -hmm. don't want to, do $5,000 worth of tickets and give them away or $5,000 worth of t-shirts and give those away. I want to do something special. I want to take this and really grow something. So we came up with the idea of, and this was unheard of at the time, Mm -hmm. taking the $5,000 and buying pink uniforms and having a celebration around breast cancer awareness. And originally we were going to have our opponent wear pink Mm -hmm. and we were going to wear white with pink because again that was ncaa rules the home team wore the light the away team wore the dark and we had to even write to the ncaa to get permission and originally um it was wisconsin Mm -hmm. and rini had talked to the coach at the big 10 meetings and she agreed and then she goes back and she talks to her super sports supervisor and they had never won in at penn state so now they're having second thoughts you want us to wear pink uniforms again this was unheard of yeah which so is went, crazy to think of today. Right, because you see it so often, you know, just about any sport. So I went down to talk to Rini after after speaking with my colleague from Wisconsin, and Rini said, well, fine, we'll wear pink. Talk to the NCAA, see if we can wear pink. And we still bought Wisconsin's uniforms, mm-hmm. so they wore white with pink, and we wore the pink with blue, with navy blue. And we got permission from the NCAA. Um, ironically, Nike did not support the idea originally. Wow. And again, now Nike's designing mm-hmm. pink uniforms. So we did go with kind of an off-brand um, company to help us pull this off. Mm-hmm. And we debuted the first team in the country to wear pink uniforms for that first game. Well, wow. that is a fascinating, fascinating <laughs> story. And it just has continued to grow over the years. So year one to where it is now. What strikes you about the evolution of Pink Zone through the years? And and what's gone into making this more than we were talking before we started here? It's not just a game. It is an event itself. It unites. It's not just for central Pennsylvania. It's the entire state. It's been copied. You know, (laughs) people want to duplicate this across the entire country. And it's also a year-long awareness and fundraising effort that the Lady Lion basketball program has that rich tradition and history of supporting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Year one was, was special, obviously being year one. And we were so young and just, you know, throwing out ideas of, you know, what we could do. Um, we had 31 survivors on Mm -hmm. the court at halftime. We formed a ribbon 
um, with the with the numbers. You know, we had the great speech at halftime about you know recognizing and supporting, and everybody you know was near tears in the stands. Yeah. Um, raised just over twenty thousand dollars that first year uh, with a little silent auction and some T-shirt sales, and. We just knew we had such capabilities to grow. Um, I want to say our record for survivors is over 700 Mm -hmm. survivors we've had on the court. We've raised over $300,000 to give away. We're currently over $2 million total going into our 18th pink zone. And so that has just grown and grown and grown. And we work very closely with the beneficiaries. And we work very closely. What's What's very important to us is celebrating the survivor. So, and survivors have told us they feel special that day. It is all about them. We do a pregame opening ceremony where we have them walk the pink carpet and we have, you know, photographers there. So the paparazzi, we obviously recognize them at halftime with a pretty cool Mm -hmm. ceremony and everything like that. It's all about the survivors and celebrating them and making them feel special. And it's a great way to bring the entire community together. I think that's the thing that strikes me most is how much, you know, you're driving on 322, like you're going down to Harrisburg and you see the truck on the side of the road, the pink zone truck. Yes. You, you see little, the, the Fullington bus that, yes. that's painted, that has the pink wrapping on it throughout yes. the year. This is something that brings the entire community together. And again, there's just those little nuggets of awareness that are sprinkled throughout the area. Like, wow, what an impact one event one idea can really make. Absolutely. From that $5,000 seed money. Absolutely. I hand delivered a check to Mount Nittany, who was was still one of our beneficiaries. One year, we had a $100,000 commitment to create the Ladyline Basketball Cancer Resource Room over in the Shaner Pavilion. And in one year, we almost paid it off with our donations from Pink Zone. That was a pretty special moment for me, for sure. We've done great things with our partners, our beneficiaries. Uh, another one at Mount Nittany was the breast cancer yep. patient navigator. So this was an idea that we got from Mount Nittany. They didn't have the funding for it. Pink Zone funded it for three years. It was such a successful position working with the patients that Mount Nittany found the money in their annual budget to pay for. So now it's a standing position. But it what? started with Pink Zone. That's awesome. Throughout the years, the games, obviously everyone loves to watch the game, but, you know, anthem singers that come back, halftime performances, the lights go off at the BJC, someone's out there performing on a stage. What have been some of your memories around the game itself and the event that day that strike you and you remember the most? Absolutely. Easy. My my favorite is halftime because it's so emotional. Mm -hmm. But now being in our 18th year, there are survivors that their goal is to find me and take a picture with me. They do it every year at Pink Zone. And some of them are women that we've met through the event. Mm -hmm. Some of them are former employees. You know, we had a part-time employee from the Bryce Jordan Center, no longer works at the Bryce Jordan Mm -hmm. Center, but still comes back for this game every year, still finds me, and her husband has to take the picture of her and I there at halftime. The other great, great memory, um, we had senior day for Julia Tregell. Yep. And we also had, that was on Pink Zone, and somebody asked her, well, did you want to share the spotlight with Pink Zone? And she said, pink is my favorite color. So she was all about sharing that spotlight. And then I believe it was 2012, we had Pink Zone, and we also clinched the Big Ten regular season title. I remember that one. So we had some blue and white and pink (laughs) confetti for that one. (laughs) Uh, That's absolutely awesome. When you look throughout the year about what other things how does planning start for the event itself? But then there are other events throughout the year that are a part of Pink Zone that make this a massive undertaking in an event that's 365, 24-7, where, it, yeah, 
the pinnacle is the Pink Zone game here at the Bryce Jordan Center this year on February 3rd, and it's going to be a 6 o'clock tip-off. But throughout the year, there's a lot of other things that can support this great cause. Absolutely, absolutely. And I do want to give credit to Mimi Coppersmith. Yep. Uh, Coppersmith. Mimi actually brought a woman by the name of Aileen Galley to the mm-hmm. table as our executive director. Um, oh, this started with literally just the folks that worked women's basketball. So Lauren Crispo, our marketing director, our sports information director, me and events and, and administration. It literally just started with the folks around the table that run basketball anyway. So we now brought in someone from the outside that had nonprofit organizational experience. And then I want to give props to Coquise Washington as yeah. well. She used her law degree um, and guidance to help us form a 501c3. So the Pennsylvania Pink Zone is a standalone 501c3. We have one employee. Uh, Trish Fulvio is our executive <laughs> director. But we do events year-round. Um, obviously, we're gearing up for next Saturday night mm-hmm. for this year's Pink Zone. But we'll have debriefing meetings on how we can do that better. We do a big golf tournament in the fall, um, which is really awesome because it's a different community. It's a different yep. audience that we're, that we're tapping. But it's been hugely successful and we do the homecoming parade uh, we're throwing out usually candy with the date on it yep. so it's a little <laughs> little free pr for us we've had a pink cement mixer as our float yep. in the parade um, again community involvement from our community partners fullington has been another huge community partner you mentioned it earlier Early on, we recognized there was a need to bring survivors in from across the state. This is not just about State College or Center County. And Fullington really stepped to the plate with their partners across the state to bring in survivors from literally all over Pennsylvania. Yeah, because breast cancer in general, but breast cancer, it's touched everyone. You don't have to go too far outside your inner circle Mm -hmm. to see the impact it can make. And this is all about raising awareness not only celebrating the survivors and raising money, but just raising awareness absolutely. for something that has touched probably anyone listening to this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's another thing that's really struck me. There were people that I didn't know were breast cancer mm-hmm. survivors that would come out to the game or I would see them or I'd see their name on the registration. Yeah. And, and it blows me away the amount of people out there that have been touched and that are thriving. We also talk about our survivors that are thriving. Another great moment, and I have to, I'm gonna give a lot of props because we've had a lot There's of partners so in this. There's so many people that yes. are involved in this. Yes, Sam Liebman yep. um, was our marketing assistant yep. several years ago, and she came up with this idea of a years of survivorship card. So it's an 11 by 17. We have mm-hmm. pictures of the team and their pink uniforms from the year before on one side. And on the other side, we have the survivors or we have volunteers write down the number of years or months, or days, or weeks Mm -hmm. that a survivor has been battling. And I remember someone that had 11 days one year. And then I think our record might be 43 years. So all of those women standing out there holding that up, we have women that have two dates because they've had a second recurrence of Mm -hmm. breast cancer, but they're inspirational to each other. You know, someone with 11 days is looking to someone that, you know, is a survivor for a year. It's looking to someone who's a survivor for five years or 10 years or 43 years. It's a really touching moment when we have them hold those cards up. As you know, from working with so many of the teams here at Penn State, it's also part of the Penn State culture where the teams, the student athletes, 18 to 22 year olds, it's in their DNA that they want to be a part of something like this. How rewarding has it been through the years dating back to, you know, when you were a student manager, you're kind of a part of that 
that circle. But then throughout the years, as Pink Zone started to grow, evolve, and form, see the connections and the support that the student athletes feel for this event and for this cause. Absolutely. We can't do it without them. You know, the day is about the survivors, and that's so important to our teams year in, year out with our, our student athletes. And we've had a lot of them have been touched. You know, we've had grandmothers, we've had mothers, we've had aunts that have been, um, that are breast cancer survivors that we celebrate as well. A lot of times the girls say this is their favorite game, you know, because they're it, it's about something bigger than they are. And again, that goes true to the core of what I feel is the Penn State student athlete and 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 supporting the community and, and causes that are bigger than themselves. Jen, I see it through your work with, with what you do every day with our teams here at Penn State to represent the athletic department best way as humanly possible to put on an event that is as seamless and as flawless as possible, which is impossible to do because there's always going to be something that pops up. Where does your passion come from for this place? Yeah, uh, it goes back to my days as a manager. I mean, I literally fell in love. In in high school, I was super involved mm-hmm. with everything. And so I was really looking for that connection when I came to Penn State. And, you know, I wanted to be a journalism major. I, I was editor of my high school newspaper. As a freshman, you don't walk into the collegian and <laughs> be on the editorial board. So that's when I looked to get involved. And, and, and when I got chosen for that basketball manager, and it was such a special program and such a special time for women's athletics, mm-hmm. Um, you know, great mentors, great leaders that have done incredible things. I've really been blessed with the opportunities. Um, I would love to have stayed at Penn State after I graduated, but I had some wise, wise, wise advice from Ellen Perry, our dearly beloved associate athletic director that has since passed. And she advised me to take a step away and come back stronger. And so I had an opportunity to go to graduate school at the University of Illinois, right when Penn State joined the Big Ten. (laughs) And at this point, I knew I wanted to do something in athletics, something behind the scenes, you know, not coaching, but something organizing. So I literally was the grad assistant for the assistant athletic director that did event management for half the sports there at Illinois. And my final semester there, I actually helped. I was the assistant tournament director for four Big Ten championships. Mm -hmm. So ironically, when the job back at Penn State, my dream job opened up, we had hosted one Big Ten championship. We were getting ready to host the current year. We were scheduled to host two more, three more Big Ten championships, but we had no experience hosting Big Ten championships other than the one. So they were really looking for somebody with that experience. And Illinois gave me that experience. And I love to say that after I got done saying, well, Penn State, we do this, I learned Illinois did some pretty cool stuff. (laughs) And so when I had the opportunity to come back, I had, you know, the best of what I knew about Penn Mm -hmm. State and learned at Penn State, the best of what I learned at Illinois to kind of form what I was going to do here. For our fans listening, and I know you're not going to take too much credit for this, but for our fans listening that enjoy to go to Big Ten Championships, NCAA regional events, NCAA championship events that are hosted here, PIAA sports events mm-hmm. that are hosted here, Jen is is a huge, a huge reason behind why Penn State has all of those great opportunities to host those championship events here on campus. So, Jen. Yes. Thank you for bringing great events to Penn State. My pleasure. Championships (laughs) are the icing on the cake. Championships and special events. Really pretty special here at Penn State. I want to wrap it up with this. Throughout the years of your work, the relationships that you've been able to build with colleagues, coaches, student athletes, everyone talks about Penn State and the people. Mm -hmm. 
what is it about the people at a place like this? Oh, just so special. And it's, it's intangible. It's, mm-hmm. it's really hard to describe, but again, we all have that, that commitment to service, that commitment to the blue and white and the commitment to do it the right way. Yeah. And that is what I am so proud of as an alum. I'm so proud of as a staff member. I'm so proud of as a as a lady lion. You know, once a lady lion, always a lady yep. lion. Um, you know, getting excited for the rec hall return to yes. rec game. So all my college roommates and teammates <laughs> are, are talking about that one. But yeah, it's 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 all about the mm-hmm. people and our. You know, we all have that passion for for representing the blue and white and, and doing it the right way and, and giving back. And it's been fun to watch Keegs, what they've done this year. It's such a yes. deep, talented team. I know they're yes. still trying to figure out what's the lineup going to be. They have 10 different players, I think, that they could rotate in. <laughs> and, and they're just going to continue to get better as the year goes on, in my opinion, right absolutely, now. Absolutely, absolutely. I do say I'm the eternal lady lion optimist. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been waiting for this year. I've been waiting for all the pieces to fall into place and... And cheering on, you know, I'm not working directly with the Lady yep. Lions right now. I supervise a director of events. Um, I used to be the sport administrator, but I am their number one fan in their corner and have been waiting for a year like this to just really put it all back together and just continue to launch it. Well, Jen, we know there's such a large group that's responsible for the game coming up on February 3rd. Good luck. And we can't wait for it. It's one of the highlights on the Penn State athletic calendar every single year. Thank you so much for the time to give us a recap of the Pink Zone history and talk about what is truly one of the special events here in Happy Valley. Hey, you are very welcome. And I always say the biggest and best Pink Zone will be when we have that cure for breast cancer. Jen, that's a great way to wrap it up. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.